Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Now, I know any time that I talk about football, I isolate some people. I'm gonna talk a little bit about football today, not just because the greatest team won on Wednesday night, but uh, I'm actually gonna talk about a different team and it's gonna help you if I wear their jersey today. Is there, a... oh. Is there any, I heard one round of applause. <laughs> Is there one Parramatta supporter in, in the room today? Two. Fantastic, fantastic. I know that, uh, can I just give you a little uh, caveat before I start today? If you don't like football, if you hate football, it's okay. You don't need to understand football or love it to lean into what I need to say today. But the illustration I think is gonna help all of us. If you are here and you love football, I'm gonna guess that most of you support a Queensland team and I feel bad for you right now, but I've done something just to encourage you. Here's a look at the NRL ladder turned upside down. And if you take the ladder and turn it upside down, the Queensland teams are all in the top five. (laughs) So be encouraged, Queensland. Your football teams are doing well in 2019. My team's not even on that list because currently if you turn the ladder up the right way, we're in the top eight for the first time since like 1963. Because I started following Parramatta, if you're completely unaware with Rugby League, I grew up in country New South Wales and in country New South Wales, Rugby League was everything. AFL wasn't really on the landscape. It came in in later years as the Sydney Swans emerged and started to do well. But if you grew up in Dubbo where I grew up, and he wanted to support a football code, Rugby League was it. There were only two channels. There was ABC and there was Channel 7 and we had one of those dial TVs and you dial it in on Sunday night to the State Bank Big Game, it was called. And there was like two games of footy on the TV every weekend. And so if you grew up in New South Wales, you chose one of the Sydney teams. When I was young, my pop, who also lived in Dubbo, was a passionate Parramatta supporter. And back in the 80s, when I started to take an interest in football, Parramatta was doing well. So I had a family member that loved the Eels and I had a team that was actually winning some premierships. Parramatta's glory days were through the 80s. So I wholeheartedly embraced rugby league and supporting the Blue and Gold Army. Here's a photo of me and I'm probably about 10 or 11, dressed up in my first ever Eels jersey. That was a football that someone gave me that was signed by Peter Sterling and Brett Kenny. Some of you know who they are. And I was, I've been a proud Parramatta supporter since I was about five years of age. It was the worst sporting decision of my life because I started remembering them when they won in 1986 and they have not won since. But guess what? My loyalty for the team has never waned. I'm still a passionate Parramatta supporter. I wear the jersey, I don't wear it out in public that often. I wear it when I go to games or uh, when I've got a sermon illustration that it helps with. But I love the Eels. Most weekends I try and carve out time to watch their games. It's just something that I've grown up with and something that I love. But here's the thing, I've supported Parramatta for over 35 years now, much to my detriment. I've yelled at the TV, I've yelled at the coach, I've yelled at the team, I've complained, I've whinged, I've read articles, but the one thing I've never done is gotten in the game. I've got all the gear, I've got the jersey, I've got the football, but I've never gotten in the game. 
And what I want to talk to us a little bit about today is that we're continuing our One Another series, and this might seem like an, a funny intro to get into what I want to say, but I want to talk today about encouraging one another. And before I get there, encouragement, as I want to talk about today, isn't just gushy sentiment. Sometimes we need to hear those words that are just gushy sentiment, but I want to talk about a much more robust encouragement that the Scriptures talk about. But when the Scripture talks about encouragement, it talks to people that are in the game. And in your Christian life, you were never called just to be somebody that put on the jersey and stood on the sidelines and became an expert in how everybody else played it. That's what most of us are when it comes to football, aren't we? We're all armchair experts. We wear the badge, we wear the colours, we shout at the TV, we tell the refs how they're useless, we get upset when our team's not going so well. But only a few people ever get in the game. In the Christian life, we're not called to be this. Someone's getting in the game in one of the classrooms at school. but We're not called to be this. We're called to be the people that at some point get a hold of the ball, tuck it under our arm and run it down the field. That's what the Scripture talks about the Christian life is. Not the armchair critic, but the men and women on the field living out the life that God has called us to. I want to take us to a passage in Hebrews that many of us have probably heard, read, sat under the teaching of many times. It comes from Hebrews chapter 10 and it says this, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Then it goes on, And let us consider how to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let's just pause there for a minute. Again, it says, hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. In other words, the colours that we wear matter. In other words, what we believe matters, what we profess matters. But then the writer goes on to marry two really important concepts. It's not just about what we believe. It's not about what we project. It's not about what everybody else sees. It's not just about the words that come out of our mouth. He goes on to say, and let us consider how he may spur one another on to what love and good deeds. In other words, faith that is acted out. And Christian faith is never meant to be passive. There's way too many Christians that are great commentators on everybody else playing the game. Get in the game and it gives you a different perspective. Stop telling everyone else how to do it and spur one another on towards the active living out of Christian faith, toward love and good deeds. Then he goes on to say this, not giving up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. I want to talk about footy for a moment because I want to talk about this whole idea of encouraging one another, but I want to put it in the concept of a sporting team or a sporting analogy this morning. I want to say there's three things I reckon encouragement in the Scriptures wants us to do, and it's this. We all need a coach, we all need a club, we all need a cheer squad. Now let me unpack that for a minute. We all need a coach. When the writer of the Hebrew said, encouraging one another. The word encourage comes from a Greek word that uh, when we pronounce it, it is parakaleo, parakaleo. And, and as I said, encouragement here is not about gushy 
sentiment. Because in other parts of the Scripture, where this word, it, just to help you, if you've never engaged in the Bible before, let me just give you a little bit of context. The Bible wasn't written in English. The Bible was written in a couple of different languages, Hebrew for most of the Old Testament. So there's some Aramaic and there's a lot of Greek in the New Testament. So when uh, we have our English Scriptures, someone's taken the original text in the Greek and has looked at the Greek words and translated it into the English version that we have today. So sometimes the same word, they've had to dig into the context and the meaning of a word and work out what it translates to. So when the original writers to the Hebrews wrote this verse, he used the word parakaleo when he was expressing what it means to encourage one another. Now elsewhere in the Scriptures, that word parakaleo is used to talk about exhortation, you know, exhort one another. It's used in, in the tense of urging one another or pleading one another. So when the writer says, encourage one another, he wants to say this. It's not gushy sentiment. It's about urging, pleading, imploring, exhorting one another. See, it's not used about sentiment. It's about spurring one another on. The word parakaleo is made up of two words. Para, which means to come alongside and kaleo, which means, I've lost my bit here because I'm gonna sound, I'm not a Greek scholar. Para, which means to come alongside, and kaleo is to speak closely. Keep going, keep focused. And so when I say that we all need a coach, the, the image that the writer wants to give us is this. One of the roles that we had to play for one another isn't to stand alongside and say, oh, you're so awesome, you're so wonderful. That is encouragement and that is good. But it's more the role of the coach that's standing close beside, there's this context of close beside, saying, don't you give up, keep going, you can do this. Come on, you need to work harder. Come on, get up, quick, play that ball. Come on, take another tackle. There's 10 minutes to go, let's not drop the ball now. Like the coach is the person that stands alongside and compels us to keep going. The coach compels us to keep going. And when the Scripture tells us to encourage one another, one of the things that we're called to do is to compel one another to keep going. I'm not a runner, but I know some of you are. And when the Scriptures talk about running, or when people talk about running, they talk about long distance running. There's a point where you hit the wall. It doesn't matter how much training you've done. It doesn't matter how much you've tapered your diet. It doesn't matter how much you know in your mind that there's gonna be a point in that race where you're gonna, everything in you is gonna tell you to stop. There's a point where your body on a long distance race will probably hit the wall. My body usually hits the wall about 20 metres into a race, but apparently it's about the 32 kilometre mark for those of us that are fit, right? And you, you run and you get to the point where your body tells you it's done. But it's not just your body telling you that it's done because you think, well, then I just need to be mentally strong. Your mind starts telling you that you are done. And I know for all of us, there's moments in our Christian faith where there's so much around us that says, just what's the point of this? Is it worth it? I'm done. It's hard. I keep trying to be obedient to the things God's called me to, but I never seem to get ahead. I feel like He's promised things. And even though I've been faithful to the things He said, I'm just not seeing anything come to fruition of that promise. Like there's moments where we just decide that it's too hard. And what the Scripture says to the rest of us in that moment is when you see someone flagging and when their body's telling them to give up and when they've hit the wall in their faith, you know what the rest of us are meant to do? We're meant to get alongside and get in their ear and go, keep going. This will pass. 
This happens to everybody. Don't give up now. The finish line's in sight. You can do it. Come on, remember your training. Remember you're not alone in this. So all of us need coaches. One of the things that I've decided that many of us are terrible at, and I know many of us are terrible at it because I'm terrible at it, and I've talked to lots of you and I've seen how you've operated in this sense, but sometimes the coach is the one that doesn't always tell us the thing that we want to hear. We look for people that just tell us all the stuff we want to hear. It's all right, you just you live your relationship that way because we're scared that we're going to offend somebody if we tell them the thing that they need to hear. I want you to grab a hold of this, and some of you young people especially, grab a hold of this because it is a truth that is the hardest truth to live out. Sometimes the people that love you the most are the ones that are going to tell you the things that you need to hear. Often it's the people that don't love you as deeply that tell you the things that you want to hear. Now, all of us need to hear that, but for some of you young people, there's times when your parents are going to draw you in and they're going to say some stuff to you and you're going to react to what they say, but you know why they're telling you that? Because they love you deeper than your friends that are telling you that everything you're doing is all right. So find the people that love you deeply enough to tell you not just the things you want to hear, but sometimes tell you the things that you need to hear. And I want to encourage all of us that we need to have hearts that are open, not just to receive kind of the, you had a great game today, you've done really well, but the, come on mate, you need to do this. You need to kind of discipline yourself a little bit better. We need to find people that we trust to not just tell us the stuff that moves us forward, but it's also, and that encourages us in, in a really positive sense, but encourages us in a sense of, come on, mate, you're starting to drop the ball. It's not time to drop the ball now. It's time to keep going. Sometimes the people that love us the most are gonna be the ones that speak those words. But we love to find the people that just tell us all the stuff that makes us feel good. We all need coaches. Find the people in your life who you trust and who you give permission to call from near beside. The word parakaleo, to call from near beside. In other words, to get in your ear, to get in your space. They can't do your journey. They can't fight your battles, but they can walk alongside you and they can be yelling in your ear the whole way. We all need a coach. The second thing I wanna say is we all need a club. Now, I I feel like I need to give a little bit of a, explanation to this because I've heard a thousand times people going the church is not a club and it's not in that sense but in a football sense when you sign up to play footy it's not a game that you can ever play alone and so you sign up to be part of a club and the club is your place of belonging it's the place that you hang out it's the place with people of like mind it's the place where you go to train it's the place where you go to be encouraged and have the coach yell at you at times. It's the place that you go to train your muscles and to strengthen yourself. It's the place you retreat to when life and you've had a really bad game and you just need to kind of retreat from all the external pressures and just rebuild and regenerate. You see, the club's a really important place for anyone playing football and good clubs produce great results. You see, the club is a place filled with others committed to the same journey who have the same outcome, who have the same focus. And we don't talk about a club anymore, but we talk about our church as a community. Church is the word congregate. It's where we gather. This place is your community. And it doesn't have to be this place, but can I encourage you today, if this is not your place, find a place that is yours. Find a place that's filled with people that are gonna be your people. 
Find a place that's filled with people that you're gonna be their people. In other words, don't just go looking for a place where you can consume everything because I guarantee at some point you'll get bored and disappointed. Go to a place where you can contribute to something because when we all contribute, we're all better for it. But find your place because you need a place. Listen to what the Scripture said. And this is a really unpopular verse to preach, especially when you're a guy that leads a church like me because it feels like I should preach this verse. But the writer to Hebrews says this, spur one another on towards love and good deeds and we urge, oh, sorry, wrong verse. And do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Then he goes on, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You see, for the early disciples, for the early believers in Jesus, the place they retreated to was super important because the mission that God had called them to was confronting, was challenging. They saw their friends lose their life for the sake of their faith. And so the people that surrounded them really mattered. One, because they knew they weren't doing the journey alone. Two, because in there they found people that were speaking their language, that were speaking the words of life into them and that were energising them to go and live the life that God had called them to. You see, one of the things that church does for you, it's not that you come in here and be a Christian for one day a week. It's actually you come in here to get fueled up by your people that encourage you to go out Monday to Saturday to live the life that God has called you to live and to do it well, to make good choices, to actually live obedient to the call of God on your life. And then at the end of the week, when you're weary and burdened and other words and narratives have come over your life, you retreat back to your people who build you up and strengthen you and train you to go and live the life that God has called you to. I don't care if you're here every week for my sake, but I want to encourage you to be sitting in these seats as often as you can for your sake. And as I said, if this is not your place, find your place. And if you've been to 15 places and decided that none of them are your place, well, maybe you need to look at yourself for a while and work out what needs to change so you can find your place. But find your place and find your people and dig in and invest and wear the colours with pride and recognise as you look around, you might wanna look around here today, that the people that you're sitting with, that you're worshipping with, that you're gonna share coffee with, that you serve with, that you ring in through the week, that you encourage, that you sit in a life group with, they're the people that God has gifted you with to help you do this life of His well, because God never intended for you to do life alone. And I don't care what anyone says, but I see very few people that flourish in the Christian life when they try and do it on their own. And you don't have to come to church to be a Christian. I've heard that a hundred times over. But I can tell you the people that I see that are most effective in the mission that God has called them to are the ones that are plugged in somewhere to a community of people that cheer them on. So find your community, get plugged in, get regular, start contributing and see what God does. All of us need coaches. All of us need a place to belong or a club. Finally, all of us need a cheer squad. So the writer of Hebrews writes about encouragement, he uses this word parakaleo. In other words, to come close, to come near beside and to exhort, urge, plead. But elsewhere in Scriptures, the writers use another word and it's the word paramuthame. Paramuthame. Probably don't say it like that, but you're all gonna pretend that's how it's said because I look like I would know ancient Greek and how to pronounce it. But paramuthame. 
And that word is translated encourage as well, but it's different to parakaleo. See, parakaleo is about exhorting and urging and pleading. Whereas paramuthame is about consoling and comforting. 1 Thessalonians 5.14. We urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive and encourage the disheartened. Help the weak and be patient with everyone. So when the writers of Scripture want to talk about encouragement, they want to talk about the people around us that urge us on, that tell us to keep going, to stop giving up, that tell us the things that we need to hear, not just the things that we want to hear, to help us keep doing the race that God has put us on, to help keep us living the life that God has called us to. But the writer uh, to Thessalonians, Paul, writes about encouragement in the sense that there are times when we all need comfort and consoling. That's why I say all of us need not just a coach, not just a club, but we all need a cheer squad. And the cheer squad's full of people like me for Parramatta that even when they're doing terrible, I'm still on their side. Even when they're going terrible, I'm still wearing their colours. Even when they've won the wooden spoon two years in a row, I still have hope that next year it's all gonna turn around. And I'm holding on for the day when we lift the Premiership Cup again. And I pray to Jesus, it's in my lifetime. <laughs> but we all need some people that are just for us. We just all need some people that are for us, that are on our side, that just wanna tell us how awesome and wonderful we are. They just wanna build us up with their words. That are for us no matter what. And they're gonna cry with us when we're doing terribly, but they're never gonna give up on us. They're never gonna change their colours because we're not doing so well. Encouragement is not just about cheering each other on, it's actually about comforting and caring for each other in our times of need. Any football player is gonna go through seasons where their form might be down or they're injured. And what they don't need is someone telling them how good a game they played and how they can get better next week. They need some people that are just gathering around them saying, it's all right, you can do this, come on. You don't have to do this alone. You're not gonna have to walk through this season alone. I can't walk your season for you. I can't walk your grief for you. I can't walk your loss for you. I can't take the pain off you, but I can help you bear it because you don't have to do it alone. See, when we're called to be people that encourage one another, we're called to be people that yell at each other to succeed in the things that God's called us to, but to put our arm around each other and help each other walk through those seasons in life where there's no explanation, where there's no simple answer, but all we need are friends around us and a community around us to cheer us on, to keep our head up and to keep going. I encourage you, find coaches, find a club and find your cheer squad. I wanna encourage you, be a coach, be part of the club for the sake of others and be in someone else's cheer squad. You see, what's the power of encouragement? Let me just finish with a couple of thoughts about the power of encouragement and why the Scriptures tell us. You see, this One Another series is a reminder of what we're called to be for one another, what God has actually told us to do in the life that we have together. It's not just about how we relate to Him, but part of our worship and relating to God is actually about the way we treat each other. And so we've talked about loving one another, forgiving one another, serving one another, caring for one another, today encouraging one another. It's an active thing that we do for each other in our life of faith. And what is the power of encouragement? Three really quick thoughts. Firstly, it's the antidote for discouragement. 
That sounds like the most simplistic thing that I could say, but for many years I met with a Christian uh, mentor and uh, we've only just in the last 12 months finished that because of his capacity, he's lost his capacity to travel and he lives in New South Wales and we used to catch up on his travels a few times a year. And one of the things he said to me was, he goes, people think there's a whole bunch of stuff that's gonna take them out in their Christian walk. But he said, in my time, the thing that I've found that takes more people out is discouragement. And right now you might be feeling discouraged. Some dreams that you had haven't come to fruition. Some hopes that you'd had for your year haven't come to fruition. The narrative of your life hasn't gone the trajectory that you thought it would go. There's been some people around you that have disappointed you or let you down or hurt you or whatever. For whatever reason, right now, you might just be feeling discouraged. And you know why God tells us in the Scriptures to encourage one another? Because He knows one of the greatest tools of the enemy in your life is discouragement. Because discouragement starts a self-talk in us. That starts to go, well, maybe I don't have it. Maybe I didn't hear from God. Maybe it's not what God wants from me. Maybe I'm just destined to live this mediocre life where everything falls apart. And encouragement's the thing that actually becomes God's medicine for discouragement. So we need to be disciplined and encouraging one another because we know one of the greatest tools of the enemy in each other's life is the power of discouragement. So the power of encouragement is and what it does for those of us that are feeling discouraged. The second thing I wanna say is this, the power of encouragement is that it helps each other finish well. In that verse in Hebrews, let us hold on fervently to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And then he says this, and all the more. So everything I've just said, will increase it more as you see the day approaching. What's the day approaching? He's talking about the fact that Jesus has promised that one day He'll return. And the Scriptures talk about it's not always gonna be an easy ride for those that profess their faith in Jesus. And the first disciples probably knew that more than any of us have ever lived in our life with the persecution that they experienced because of their faith in Jesus. You know, one of the reasons that encouragement is so powerful because it's not about how you start the Christian life. That really matters. There is a, a, a moment where we choose to put our faith in Jesus and what He's done. That really matters. But the Scriptures also tell us that there's gonna be many people that choose Jesus and turn away and choose something else as life goes on. So it's not just about how you start the race, it's also about how you finish it. And encouragement's one of the things that helps us all finish well. My greatest prayer is that one day I get to stand in the presence of Jesus with all of you having finished the race well. And so we need to help each other do that because every single one of us is gonna walk through some seasons where we're gonna need some people just to grab us by the arm, to stick their arm around us and to carry us towards that finish line. And you're gonna need others to do that for you, but sometimes you're gonna be the one that's just gonna have to grab someone else's shirt and just go, come on. You're not giving up now. God's got something good in store for you. You may not be seeing it present and manifest in this life, but what He's got promised for your future and your eternity, you don't wanna give up on that. When you get to that finish line, the celebration is gonna be so immense that I need you there with me. The power of encouragement is that we help each other finish well. And thirdly, I wanna say this, and the band can come and join me. But the power of encouragement I wanna say in our culture, it gives a fresh voice in a culture that's full of criticism and cynicism. If we're gonna be God's people, 
We need to learn to reflect His words of life over each other. Excuse me. We live in a culture that's so attuned to criticism that some of us have lost the art of encouragement. I, I don't know about you, but when I'm planning holidays or trying to find a restaurant to go out to, I'll often jump online and look at the reviews. And man, it's easy to find someone that wants to tell you about how bad something else is or someone else is or how terrible someone else is. We live in this online environment that promises so much goodness for our community, but it's so full of people that just want to just tear others down. And as I said, encouragement's not always about telling people the happy things in life. Sometimes it's about calling people up to something greater than the life they're currently living. But the words that we speak over each other are never designed to tear us down. I know people that are in their later years in life that the whole narrative of their life has been shaped by words that were spoken over them when they were young. People just pulled them down, told them they were worthless, they had no value, they were useless, they were good for nothing. I want to encourage us, we're going to be people that mimic God in speaking the words of life over one another. Find ways to build one another up. Find ways to celebrate the good in each other. Find ways to thank each other for the good that we've done. As I said, find the people that trust you enough to speak truth, even when it's tough. But generally, God speaks to us at times to discipline us, but His words of discipline are always coded in love. And the words that God speaks over us are always words of life. They're always designed to build us up, to move us on, sometimes to lift us out of the muck that we're living in and help us do life better, but they're always words of life. And we live in a culture that isn't attuned to speaking words of life over people. We live in a culture that loves to see others torn down so that we feel better about ourselves. I want to encourage us, let's be people that speak words of life. Would you stand with me this morning? Oh, I nearly got there. I nearly got there. I'm just going to get the band just to sing over us for a moment. You are who you say I am. God's words for us are words of life. But I don't want you to sing for a moment. As their words wash over us, I want you to... <coughs> I want you just to say to God, who is it in this moment or in this week that I need to speak words of life over? Who are you calling me to encourage? This is not a passive message. This is not a message of nice sentiment. This is a message that is a call to action. And the call to action today is that you walk away from this place and choose to use your words and your action to build somebody else up. And it's not just a one-off thing that you do this week, it's a new habit that God is calling you to. His Scripture doesn't encourage it, His Scripture demands it that we become people of encouragement. It's one of the things He's called us to be for each other. So as these guys sing, just say, Jesus, put a name, put a face, put a thought on my heart, someone 
who my words need to speak life over this week. And then before you start singing, make a little commitment and a contract with God in your mind of saying, this is how I'm gonna do it and this is what I'm gonna do it by. In other words, I wanna speak words of life this week over that youth leader that's invested in my kids. Where's Jacob? Jacob's down on the sound desk today. But you don't know for a family like mine, the gift that guys like Jake and are, when they dedicate their time, when they give their finances to actually come and hang out with my kids so that there's words of life being spoken to my kids that complement the words that I'm trying to speak in on. So Jake, thank you. Thank you for what you do for my kids. You find someone, you speak life over them and you do it. Jesus, speak to us right now, we pray. May we become people of encouragement. May our church be known as a place of encouragement, we pray in Jesus' Name. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.